Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. I love this statement. Arlen Suderman, by the way, is joining us today with Stonex. And he says, when it comes down to a lot of what-ifs as we look at this trade with not a lot of margin for error. Having said that, we've got a lot of implications that we're looking at. What's happening in the next uh, growing 22-23? Uh, where and will we be at peace when it comes to everything going on with Russia and Ukraine? We have an acreage report tomorrow along with a stock report that's going to set the tone and everybody's wondering what if what if uh, we have decent weather where are we going to be at uh, for crops is brazil and, and argentina are they going to look at expansion next year what about ukraine is fertilizer going to be available so like i said there's a lot of what ifs what we're looking at in this market trade today arlen and i think it really does come down to what's going to happen and day by day things could change literally in a blink of an eye yeah, absolutely. The world is dependent on fertilizer coming out of Russia and China. China has a moratorium right now on exports of fertilizer. They put that moratorium on last, I think it was October, and it goes until June. Um, so what's the chances that they'll lift it in June? Well, we look at the reasons why they put it on in the first place back in October. It was because world fertilizer prices were high, stocks were tight, and they were making an uh, assumption that they needed to close their doors to protect the fertilizer for their domestic production because food security is first and foremost. And they understand the importance of fertilizer toward that. Well, right now, prices are even higher on the world market than they were in October, and supplies are a lot tighter because of the Ukraine war. And so what leads us to believe that they're going to lift that moratorium come June, leaving things tight? Russia, on the other hand, has been kind of uh, uh, leveraging the fact that it is a major exporter of many commodities to try to sway countries who need their commodities. So it started off with them saying, we're going to start requiring you to buy natural gas. If you've not supported us in this war, which is much of the West, we're going to require you to start paying for the natural gas in rubles. Well, that dramatically changes everything. And so they're saying now, today, not only natural gas, but crude oil and fertilizer and wheat, and the list goes on and on and on, edible oils, etc. And so we're looking at some serious possibilities that we could see exports out of Russia get even tighter going forward, and that includes fertilizer. Here in the United States, we're not as reliant on imports as m- most other countries are, but we still do require some ex- some imports, and the sources we get those imports from are the same as what countries who normally are used to get them from China and Russia have to depend on. So they're going to be looking to compete with us for those supplies. So it's still a world fertilizer market. And we don't see that really straightening out a whole lot before the 22-23 marketing year and the crop production, etc. So I've been working on my 22-23 balance sheet, uh, assuming some things about Ukrainian production. And uh, I think we've got some real problems ahead for the year ahead, and there's really not any margin for error for any type of uh, notable weather problems in any major producing area of the world with Ukraine pretty much out of the export market. So these implications that you're talking about really are going to put some interesting stress factors on the grain complex. 
Well, they really do. Now, for example, on Ukraine, I, I'm going to make the assumption that their production of corn goes from, what is it, 41.9 million metric tons this past year down to 10 million metric tons this next year. And frankly, with our discussions with our customers in Ukraine, I think that's optimistic. But I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt and say they produce 10 million metric tons of corn. That's going to drop their exports of corn from 27.5 million metric tons down to four and a half million metric tons. So that's a very sharp drop in exportable supplies on the world market. I make an assumption that Brazil has a major expansion in area planted to corn next year, but fertilizer supplies will be tight. So will they be able to produce or not? But I'm assuming that they will get the fertilizer they need to produce next year. So here again, I'm making an assumption that is erring on the side of having the supply. Um, but it still requires our exports in the year ahead to jump to 2.725 billion bushels here from the United States and requires that we plant at least 92 million acres of corn. I don't anticipate the USDA is going to show this in their first balance sheet for 22-23 uh, that they release in May. I don't expect the market to fully be there on these numbers as far as the implications of Ukraine being gone. But this is where I expect the market to eventually get and the realization of how tight things really are with Ukraine absent, not only this year, but possibly into the next year or two beyond this. And we haven't even really talked about the what ifs when it comes to the weather and how that's all going to be factored into all of this. No, we really haven't. And right now, things in South America for the safrina corn crop are pretty good. There are some dry areas, like the Midwest always has some dry areas during the growing season. Um, Overall, it's looking good. But the critical month is ahead of us, and some of the models have been drying out somewhat. It's not time to panic, I don't think, but it is time for concern. And we really need to watch this La Nina right now in the equatorial Pacific. Is it going to die or not? Is it going to sustain the pattern or not? That will have a big impact on whether the rainy season ends early or lasts long enough to get this corn pollinated and get early grain fill stage of development. All right, we'll stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue with the second half. We're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on across the globe, how that's going to affect, and kind of interesting, and we just talked weather here briefly, how a little bit of a rain shower has changed a little bit of optimism when it comes to the wheat. More is coming up as we continue the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. We're back with another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish of Fontenelle Hybrids, visiting with dealer Norm Brueger in the Albion area. Norm, tell us about one of the positive aspects that you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle. I feel that uh, the Fontenelle seed uh, is very consistent year in and year out. You know, the weather in Nebraska, we got late plant, we've got drought, we've got insect pressure, and Fontenelle seems to be steady. We're always kind of rolled right through all of those weather conditions and uh, anything mother nature throws it it seems to uh, withstand the conditions that we plant in very very well they are wonderful to work with uh, Fontenelle people we've had excellent district sales managers and return customers uh, they come back they're satisfied it's a real joy working with Fontenelle people and if you'd like to learn more about us you can certainly contact Norm Brueger in the Albion area any one of your local Fontenelle dealers or you can find us on Facebook or by going to Fontenelle 
Cattlemen, the 34th Annual Wolf Cattle Opportunity Sale is April 7th at 12 o'clock noon. It will be conducted as an online-only event again this year with an open house for viewing at Sandy Ridge Ranch, Atkinson, Nebraska on March 29th and 30th. We are offering over 400 breeding-age limousine, limplex, and Angus bulls, plus over 80 yearling heifers. For more information, call me, Casey Fanta, at 320-288-6128 or go to our website, wolfcattle.com. Pivot control has never been easier. TNL Irrigation now offers a new control panel called Precision Point Touch. It's a full-color, 7-inch graphic touchscreen that's easy to use and gives you lots of great tools to make your irrigation faster and more efficient. Set up your pivots the way you want. You can update your older controls to the new Precision Point Control Panel, too. Call your local TNL dealer or visit TLIRR.com. TNL Irrigation, like no other. In Ruskin, see Power Management. Or in Hastings, CTNL Irrigation. 880 KRVN. Welcome back again to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. So we've got a big report coming out tomorrow. Actually, two reports. We've got the acreage report and the stocks report. And I always know that every year there's a little bit of excitement that comes to this acreage report because it's kind of like the, the golden ticket, shall we say, of what could possibly be planted here in the United States. So can we expect some knee-jerk reaction at 11 o'clock in so many seconds? Yeah, I really think that we will. The computers will be set, the algos to, to trade the headlines that come out of USDA, and, and they'll trade it, and then the human element will come in. Um, I mentioned that we need to get at least 92 million acres of corn. Um, that is the average trade guess. My estimate is 91.1. So if my estimate is right, we don't have enough corn acres. On soybeans, the average trade guess is 88.7 million acres. I'm at 89.9, and that's pretty much the minimum. So we need to bump those numbers up, get them above 89 million uh, to meet the anticipated demand with the short crop that we have in Brazil and Argentina and Paraguay this year. And all wheat acres, uh, the average trade guess is 47.8 million acres. I'm at 47 million. The real key is what do we do in the way of spring wheat acres? Uh, And uh, uh, the trade is really looking for spring wheat acres to increase by about 400,000 acres. And I'm looking for about 140,000 acre decrease this year as we look at the alternative crops and and some of the returns there. Uh, And the other thing on the stocks reports, the quarterly stocks, this is a snapshot of what supplies are as of March 1st. This is where we get the real surprises that oftentimes defy logic but especially in corn we can get some major market moving surprises and when we look at the trade guesses the trade guesses range from 7.63 billion bushels up to 8.087 billion bushels Uh, that's a 450 million bushel range and possible what the trade thinks it happened that has huge implications for the marketplace within that range that means nobody really knows what usda is going to do um i said the average trade guess is 7.877 billion i'm a little bit lower than that about 120 million bushels lower than that i see things a little bit tighter um and uh, i think we're using a little bit more corn than what the trade is really factoring in or what usda may be factoring in we're we're using a lot of corn for ethanol more than the usda is forecast Uh, i think we're using a little bit more for livestock consumption as well 
uh, over on the wheat side, another place where I think that we probably fed just a little bit more wheat early on uh, last summer, the first quarter of the wheat marketing year than what USDA is accounting for, not so much lately. Um, and uh, so I'm at one, just a little over 1 billion bushels for that number, whereas the trade is at 1.045 billion. And on soybeans, a little bit narrow range there because most of the soybeans usage is measurable either exports or via the crush numbers but it comes down to what does usda do for residual numbers the residuals kind of a catch-all for usda to catch the errors in calculations and surveys but it can vary widely so the range of guesses there is still 300 over 360 million bushels that's quite a range with big implications for ending balance for the ending stocks balance and uh, possible surprises for the trade you know i've seen um earlier this week on on social media pictures of of planters in the field and i'm not talking here in the states by any means but over in ukraine so i mean it shows the optimism that's there with their farmers well what are you hearing with war and and peace and are we going to see anything and then add to it the the planting intentions for them yeah, it was, Ukraine people have shown a can-do attitude, and farmers certainly have that anyway. Um, so there has been some planting. There's been some spring wheat planting and some of the other barley, etc. too early for corn yet. Um, so some of it has happened. And, you know, if all the cropland was concentrated in the western part of Ukraine, where I'm guessing those pictures came from, we could probably get a lot more done. But the biggest part of the productive cropland in Ukraine is in central and eastern areas, and that's a lot more affected by the war. And while some have been able to do things, we still think there's going to be some major obstacles for Ukraine to plant enough to be notable exporters. But again, that's one reason I gave them some benefit of the doubt and said they'll produce 10 million metric tons. That's a little over 400 or a little less than 400 million bushels of production. They'll need some of that for what life stock that they still have uh, that they're trying to hang on to and and keep going and producing food Uh, so i don't think exportable supplies will be very heavy Uh, but uh, in a lot of those areas the focus is on if they can plant a crop make it more of a cereal so they have food in the coming year rather than feed grain all right arlen what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you StoneX.com or over on Twitter. And that's today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.